Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. I was defrauded for a quarter of a million dollars, which was all of my life savings. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, I have a a very special guest. I'm extremely excited for this episode. It's a little bit of a different tilt than, than the past few episodes. We're going to focus on an individual investor's journey to really a, a, a place of enlightenment, if I, if I could say, a, kind of a, a new path forward. And I think there's so many good lessons learned here today. So before I get into it too much, our guest today is Adapia Dorico. She's the principal and VP of strategy at Alpha Investing. And Alpha offers institutional commercial real estate opportunities to its private capital network. At Alpha, she oversees growth strategy with an emphasis on investor growth and relations. And outside of that, she's a recognized and respected woman in real estate. And I appreciate you joining today. And I I have to give uh, the listeners a little bit of background because I think it's important to set the context of of how we met. And and I think this just tells how powerful your story is. So I actually met Adapia at the Best Ever Conference last February. And when she got up and, and she spoke in front of a room full of people on a topic that that most people don't even want to admit to themselves. And she did it in such a way that was so vulnerable, but so confident uh, that it really impacted me in that room to the point that I wanted to go up and introduce myself afterwards. We struck up a conversation. Here we've been talking since. And, and now I have the opportunity to, to have her on my show. So I just feel so blessed today to be able to, to share her story with all of you because I think it's, it's a topic that, that I'll let her get into where, you know, like I said, it's uncomfortable, but I think it's important for us to learn from others. And I think there's a lot of good lessons in this, in this story. So with that, I will turn it over. Adapia, thank you again for being here today. Welcome to the show. I can't. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for a very generous introduction as well. I really appreciate it. A hundred percent. I meant every word. And so the story that, that you shared, it, you know, it, it's uh, a story of not listening to, as you said, you, your intuition. That's something you're going to talk to us about today. But so kind of 
set it up for us and, and, then, and then walk us through. I, I want our listeners to, to hear this uh, and, and feel what you felt going through the process. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're listening to this, I guess maybe like in order to feel what I felt, maybe just try to like tune into your body, I guess, and see where this lands for you. So I'll keep it a short story because I, I can't remember if it was like a 45 minute talk or, or not, but several years ago, I was defrauded for a quarter of a million dollars, which was all of my life savings. That's the punch in the gut. That's the punch in the gut. <laughs> um, the other punch is that part of it was leveraged. So it hit really hard. It hit the pocketbook. It really hit my confidence. It like just spun me. It totally spun me. In a way, I had really good intentions for it. You know, I was hoping to use whatever funds were going to come out of this investment to, at the time, I was really into like startups and venture capital and really wanting to help other entrepreneurs with, with their endeavors. So that was the thing. But the, the story really has everything to do with how the whole time when I was you know, speaking, this was an individual, even as I was doing my due diligence, because this was years ago and, and I knew how to do some due diligence, not the way I know how to do it today. And it was not a real estate investment, I'll say this. But the whole time there was this nagging, nagging feeling that something was wrong. And it wasn't just, this is a too good to be true. Because as I was doing my due diligence, I was like, okay, no, this checks out and this checks out and this checks out. And and yet my stomach was just like, no, no, no. I would actually feel this like constraining around my head. It was just like these weird like headaches and this all over my body was just like, there's something not right about this, but nothing on paper checked out. And in the end, my, uh, I'll call it my ego, because this really is what it is. My ego, a sense of pride, a sense of independence, just totally overruled my intuition that was saying, this is just no good. And so, but I let that override it, what I wanted it to be. I, I, I kind of talked myself out of all the things that could go wrong. No, this can't happen to me. I have good intentions. And I just shoved all the intuitive information to the side and just went straight with rationality. And so that was one sort of big mistake, if you will, in, in like having this happen. And the other thing is that I didn't ask anyone for help. And, and granted, there were, you know, you're always in a certain situation, a certain point in time. I didn't have anyone in my life that I really wanted to run this by or could run it by. So I didn't. There was also this part of me, and I'm like totally willing to admit this, that was just like, no, I want to do this on my own. I want to show people that I can do this. This is my thing, like way too independent. So proud to a fault, independent to a fault, you know, and then the, the crazy thing is that once I really started to realize this, this was not coming back, like it was not working. I started, like, I really started to freak out. I still didn't tell anyone. Like, my husband today was my boyfriend at the time. He didn't know because I was so ashamed. I didn't even ask for help when I knew I needed emotional support. Um, and it wasn't until I got a call from the district attorney that I was like, oh, no, this is actually what I think it is. It's, it's fraud. Yeah. Yeah. You had this sense way before, right? Oh, yeah. And that, that's kind of what you're going, you're going back to. And the, and the, this idea that you don't want to admit you're wrong. 
it rings really true to me that this idea that you want to be right, you know, you want to, especially with money, right? You don't want to make a, a bad decision. And then, then also you don't want to, you want to do it on your own. You want to prove that, that you can do it. And all these, these, these ideas have led you down this path that you kind of internally f- just didn't feel right, but you were, this momentum going down this path, I mean, you really, really couldn't stop at, at that point. And, and, and it really took where, I mean, you actually get a district attorney calling you and then that, that really brought it all home. Uh, yeah. When I had to like have an interview with like federal agents because it, en- it ended up going to criminal trial because he defrauded a state charter school was like, and you know, and it, its own experience, which freaked me out in its own way. Cause I thought, what if I get implicated? So there's interesting things about that too, because I could have been implicated if the thing had gone full cycle potentially. Like there's really interesting kind of other subtle things that could have happened. But yeah, it, it, what's interesting about it too is like there's the body that has all of these signals that it's giving you physically. And then we have all these mental biases that override. We actually have 188 cognitive biases. So it's not like the mind, we have this idea of like primacy of the mind and primacy of intellect, but it's not to our benefit. Like it isn't even, it shouldn't even be primacy. Like, and I'm not saying intuition should have primacy over intellect. I think the two things need to work closely together, but we tend to, you know, we tend to separate them out. And so we have to watch those biases because, you know, they're, they're, and you know, our, our emotions play a role and our ego, there's so much to us. But I think the biggest takeaway I would like to give for listeners is don't ignore your intuition. Really, really don't ignore it. And if you have mentors, if you have people, don't let pride get in the way. It's way easier to lose some face emotionally than it is to lose your money. And and a lot of that stuff, I think from my own personal experience, most of that's in your own head even, right? About losing face. I think that I mean, there's been times in my life where I, where I have mentors who I, who I want to impress, right? You have mentors you want to impress and, and you don't want to go to them with what might seem like a, I don't know, a junior question or, or something that makes you seem, seem naive, which is exactly what they're there for, right? Like that's why they're a good mentor because they're, they're there to help you steer around these things. And, and there's, you know, there's an example, like, I guess my analogy I, I use with mentors is like, you know, I would rather have somebody tell me that the stove is hot uh, and avoid touching the stove and getting burned than have to do it myself. Right. And that's why, that's why you have mentors and that's why you, you get close to people who have done it before and you can learn from. And that's why I think your story is so important because there, there's a lot of lessons learned along the way. So like, so looking back on that experience now, like what are some of the red flags that you maybe picked up on more, more into internally, right. in your intuition that, that you weren't picking up in, in the numbers, let's say. So I would say like the number one and everyone's heard of like, trust your gut. It literally is in your gut. I'll get into like a little bit of biology because I think it's fascinating to relate the biology or the science to our intuition. So our gut is called the enteric nervous system and it has hundreds of thousands of neural cells. So brain cells. It's amazing. It's considered by biologists, a second brain. That's how powerful your gut is, right? We're just like, oh, it digests some food. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. That's (laughs) that's fascinating. 
Oh, it's so it's it's that's a, such a wormhole to get into. But but really, like there are so many like basically brain cells in in your stomach, as well as these things called neuropeptides, which are called the molecules of emotion. Plus, like there's so many functions. If you've heard, like if, if anyone's into like biohacking or this kind of stuff, you've heard of the gut brain barrier and like using nootropics and, and like making sure that your gut and your gut flora is really healthy because there's a direct connection between your gut and your brain and it's biological. So it's sending information back and forth. So anyway, your gut feels like it literally is like a, a, a like a feeling center and so when you're being really aware of it and what it's telling you like whether it's a stomach ache or whether it clenches or whether it's like this punch or whatever that is like trust your gut is is like actually legitimately literally a real thing that's awesome i mean i I know exactly the feeling you're talking about, right? right? I mean, you, you feel that maybe whether it's a sinking feeling or kind of a tightening, like I, I get it. Like I've been on properties doing property tours and, and, and have had that feeling, right? And, and just like, like something seems, something is off. Some, mm-hmm. something, something's going on, right? And I think as, as investors, we're, you know, we, we be, we're very cerebral and we're very focused on, the numbers and this, and this all has to make sense. What you're saying is there's a whole nother level that we need to be really tapping into to really make the best decisions that, that we can make. And if we're not focusing on kind of the neck down, right, we're missing out on a lot. Yeah, definitely. And you're especially like, especially with people, right? Like you're going to walk a property and your, your body, all of your body is actually taking in information. Like the whole human body, it takes in like, it's like 11,000 bits of data per second. And our conscious mind or like the prefrontal cortex, however you want to call it, is only capable of registering seven. Wow. Just seven compared to 11,000. So the, the body is this like transmitter, receiver, transducer of information. And it's, and the, and the unconscious mind is like processing and it's comparing to past experiences, all these kinds of, all these processes that are completely unconscious to us. And so, you know, your gut isn't an underwriter, right? Like your gut isn't underwriting, but (laughs) like that's what the head is for specifically. But if you have a feeling, it's worth following up on it and really understanding if that feeling, especially if it's an instant, like intuitively just instant, as opposed to you have a thought that creates a doubt, which might register, which is a little different. So when we, when we're working with our intuition, we're trying to understand, is it, is it my intuition first or was it like, a fearful thought or a cognitive bias that might register somewhere in my body. And when we get really good at working with our body, we know the difference. It, it literally feels different. Mm-hmm. So trusting your gut. I mean, that, that's a big one. Are, are there, were there other things that kind of came along the way that you can look back on now? I would say the other big one is trusting people and an alignment, like aligning with someone. And one of the big things for me that came out of all of this was it really forced me. And I'm a very, maybe naive, if you will, like I'm, I'm a trusting person. I will give you the benefit of the doubt. That's who I am. And that hasn't changed. Like that's just who I am. But it, it did change my ability to understand and actually take a stand for myself when it came to 
partnerships or relationships in business. Because that's another thing. Maybe it's more prevalent for women to be a little bit like, oh, I have to prove myself. It's a little bit different, but it really is like, who do I want to work with? And do I feel good around that person? And so all of this really led me to reevaluate the way and who I want to work with. And it took a few years of, of refining and working all through it. But where I am now with Alpha is I'm with people that I'm totally aligned, like completely aligned, ethics, morals, integrity, goals, like we're completely aligned. There's no drama. There's like disagreements are healthy, but there's, there's none of this sense of, of dissonance. There's total resonance. And that came out of that as well, because there was a feeling of, you know, inadequacy and shame and, and like all these feelings that kind of make you feel like you can't say what you want to say because someone's going to like put you down. I'll give you an example. Like there were times with this, uh, with this individual where, you know, I expressed some doubt. I'm not really sure if I want to do this. I'm not sure if I'm ready. And he shamed me made me feel like I'm not important enough. I'm not good enough. Like maybe you don't really want this, like, you know, afraid of success or whatever you want to call it. Right. That's a big deal. So how you feel around somebody and how they treat you is foundational. Right. We've spent a lot of time on this show talking about how do you pick a good sponsor, right? And that it, that it starts with, it starts with the sponsor before the market, before the deal. It starts with, do you, do you trust the person that's going, that you're going to invest money with? Right. And I think, I think this is another level just of that. I mean, a lot of things that we've talked about have been, what questions do you need to ask? Right. But regardless of the answer that they give, pay attention to how you feel when you talk to them, how, how they make you feel and are they willing that shaming thing? I mean, I can hundred percent see, see how that would work. I think that would work on me at, at a time you know, especially when I was first starting and knew I didn't understand everything and felt, you know, I think there's, there's a time where investors feel uh, appreciative of being able to participate in the deal. Right. And you're like, Oh, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to, I don't want to be the new guy that asks a bunch of questions, things like that. Like I totally can, can relate to that. And so I think that that's really important when you're talking with with a sponsor, right? You're, you're picking someone to invest with that they, they need to be willing to, one, they should, I mean, there's no stupid questions out there. Everybody's on a different place and everybody is learning different things. So they should, one, be willing to, to answer the question. If they value as an investor, I think they will. But two, just pay, yeah, pay attention with, with everybody. How do you feel when you're talking with them? I think that's a really, that's a really interesting thing to, to pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the alignment too. Like at Alpha, like we say, like we have a process for new investors where if you want to basically sort of be part of the network, if you will, or on the deal distribution list, like you have to have a phone call with one of the principals. And because we really run, you know, all of us are, are the ones speaking to investors. And it's not because we're snooty and we're going to like screen somebody out and not let them in, but it's because we want to get to know you and build a relationship with you and make ourselves available. And we're very high touch. It's a lot of work for us, but it's worth it in the end. And I always say, and I've always said this, there are no stupid questions because in, in my whole life, I would get in trouble all the time for asking too many questions or like pointing something out. And so it's hard not to internalize that, but really like I encourage people, like we don't expect you to know what we know. 
So your questions are valid because if you want to know, that's valid. What I think of your question is completely irrelevant. I think that's empowering for investors. I hope it's empowering for investors because so. that's exactly that's exactly the the right attitude, and and I hope that that's how most people approach it. Because I mean, it is a complicated thing that we do. These these investments are complicated, and they can be made overly complicated. But but in general, they are complicated, and there's a lot of moving parts, and it's it's new for a lot of people. So I think that you have to have that level of education built in, and you have to be willing to to spend that time. I think I think to do right by the investors as well. So I really appreciate your story and sharing that. I know it's not easy to talk about at any time, you know, losing a quarter of a million dollars. That's a, that's a chunk of change, but, but you've obviously rebounded back and then some I mean, it shows your, your resiliency and you've, and you've learned from that, which I think is, is all we're trying to do, right. Is learn from our mistakes and move on. And you've, and in doing that, you've, you've kind of built this framework, I think, around your way of thinking, and, and you've brought this into a book, and, and the book is coming out soon, and, and it's called Productive Intuition, Connecting to the Subtle, right? And Adipia let me read a couple excerpts from it, and it's really powerful. I'm excited to, to get my hands on a few copies, and I think we'll have to figure out a way to do like a fun raffle with it, with, with a few copies, because I think it's uh, really good for, for people. But I, I want to, I want to give you a chance to, to talk about the book and kind of how, how that experience evolved, you know, in, into this broader thinking and, and what that's like, what has that kind of done for you and, you know, investing, but, but, but just in generally in life as well. And tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, this experience with this loss was one of several that really have shaped my life. And I call these defining moments. And there are these moments in our lives, and they kind of feel like lightning, where you get hit and, and you make a decision in one way or another. And, it, it, and, and it's two very distinct paths that, that you take these defining moments. And at a certain point around 2017, I, I had this moment where I basically committed career suicide. I left my big fintech career and tried to like go into sort of online entrepreneurship. I was going to be a blogger. I was, I was going to like coach women. I had, again, all these great intentions. <laughs> and this time though, just nothing worked. Like just like everything I knew how to do and I know what I'm doing just wasn't working. And so this was just this, this, this process that I was going through of just kind of waking up to what mattered to me and what was meaningful to me. And so for about six months, I was like basically freaking out because, you know, I lost all my income. We, we were in the middle of like renovating our home. Just not stressful at all, right? Just, just all of it. And then I had a couple coaching clients and then they weren't paying. And then I was like, this is not at all what I was looking for. And again, it was this mind that was like, you have to do this. And you said you left this career. You can't go back to corporate, blah, blah. It never even occurred to me that there was another way. And, and so what happens is I get this phone call and it was uh, one of the partners at Alpha. And I had known them for a couple of years and, and I was informally advising them. Like I was helping them out when I could. I always loved what they were doing. And he said, hey, I'm going to come to LA. I would love to just, you know, catch up. And so as we're catching up, you know, he's like, what are you up to? And I'm like, I'm so busy. 
you know, like I have to look successful. <laughs> right. I'm so right. busy. And then he literally, he goes like this. He's like, oh, well, that's a problem because I was sent to hire you. And I was like, wait a second. No, like you're kidding. Like, no, because it, at the time I realized like I was forcing myself through a burnout really to only take this one singular path. And I had completely eschewed any idea of going back to the business world. And he's like, well, we want you to be a partner. And so long story short, within a few months I joined and it's just been the perfect match. And so all of this and, you know, that, that experience there with the intuition and the experience, this is Spark, our CEO, is that how I felt around people. And it was so clear and so aligned and just so, I want to say easy because there was no friction. And so all these experiences over time, um, because through that burnout, I realized like I, I needed to, sh- I felt like I really wanted to share my story. And so this book is, is kind of a culmination of that. I started writing in 2018 and it's kind of finally culminated into a series of lessons around when I finally woke up to what was meaningful to how everything that had gone quote unquote wrong in my life really came down to me not listening to my intuition. This book kind of started to shape and form. I'm really surprised by by what it is, to be honest. Like when I read when I read it, I'm like, man, that's not it's so remarkable what came through. And and I say it in a way that it's like, it's not me and my mind and my ego that wrote this book. It's something so much bigger that wants to share some some concepts and some wisdom that I've gained. And I feel that in life, our lessons and our stories, as painful as they are for us, are meant to be shared so that someone else can learn from them too. That's great. Now, I love that concept. I mean, I think that's that's exactly right. I mean, that's why, why I do this podcast. I mean, it's a similar thing. It's I try trying to help people make better decisions. And one of the best way to do that is by hearing what didn't work for others, right? So, so I totally get what you're saying there. So what are, I mean, even in the pages that you sent me, it was just packed with good information. And so what are, what are some of the key takeaways from, from the book or what are some of the things that, that folks can get excited about hearing more from? My real hope is to reach an audience, let's say of professionals, we're all professionals and, and we're all, we all have a personal life. And for a really long time, we've been told that, that the two things don't go together. Like intuition doesn't belong in business, for example. And so my hope is that this book reaches an audience of really everyone who's trying to make sense of what's going on in the world and in their lives right now. Like it would be an understatement to say that, that things are different now. And we're, we're actually being asked to approach life differently. And so really this book is my way of sharing everything that I've learned when I had, we'll call it an awakening. You can take it spiritually. You can call it burnout, whatever you want to call it. But my concept when I was first going through it was, do I have to go you know, be a hippie or, or go live in a monastery? Because everything about my life was like, this is wrong. Like I've done everything wrong. And then what happened is I came back, I kept coming back and peeling away, peeling away and realizing like, no, A, that's not appealing to me to just, you know, exit life. 
And I think that we get hit by so much like corporate is bad and money is bad and all the bad, 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 bad. No, it's not bad. You can do so, oh my God, you can do so much good if you stay in your life as a professional, but realize that there's all these processes happening to you and you don't have to separate yourself into all these little boxes of who you should be with your family and who you should be professionally and who you should be like, we're one holistic being that's trying to figure out how to feel safe, how to feel successful, how to give back. And, and so my real hope is that this book helps anyone who feels a little lost and confused about whatever they're feeling and they might not be able to give word to it. I feel like very humbly, I am able to articulate these processes that are so foreign without making them super mysterious or like woo woo or any of that. So that I would say that about my book. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of science behind this, right? They're, they're supporting material. And I think, I think that that helps the skeptics, but I think that, I mean, I think what you're talking about is just, is a really powerful, it's like, to me, again, I guess it's much broader than, than investing, but, but even just thinking about this, like, I guess I'm looking at a lot of deals right now. So I kind of take everything back to like <laughs> making these decisions. Yeah. And it's just this, this idea that there's so much more to tune into to be able to make good decisions than just what's, what you're looking at on the screen and kind of everything that's going through your head, right? And like when I work with, when I work with new investors, one, one very common thing I see is folks just like what I call it is like falling in love with the deal, which it's, it's like they've sunk so much time into it right? That it's like, well, I spent four hours underwriting this deal. Like it has to work and like, okay, I'm, I'm tweaking this here and I'm tweaking that there. And like, they just don't want to write off the sunk cost, right? Of all that time and effort they put into it. And, and, and like, I'm always quick to just be like, look, if you're at, if you're at that point, it's not a good deal. Mm-hmm. And like in their gut, I think they know that. Cause I went through that too. At, at, when I was a newer investor of just like, you're just tweaking, you know, if I, okay, what if, what if rent growth is, you know, 3.2% instead of, instead of 3%, like, does this deal now work? And, and in my gut, I was like, it's not a good deal, but you know, emotional or like logically, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I think that's one great example of where you can really tune in to this. And like, if you're going through this spreadsheet and it's in your gut, you're like, ah, this probably isn't going to pencil out. Like don't make it pencil out because just because you don't want to admit you're wrong or, or you've spent all this time on something that's not going to work out because like, like that it's way worse to do a bad deal than it, than it is to admit, admit to yourself that, you know, maybe this, maybe you, maybe you were wrong. Well, that's a hilarious example just to like kind of speak to that a little bit more. So if you're like constantly playing with your spreadsheet that's like, that's like almost like a neurotic tick. Like that should be a sign (laughs) that, that there's like, stop, just stop, you know, something Um, going on, right? (laughs) Something. If you're constantly going back to it, there's something else that you should just stop and maybe go meditate and just chill out. Like, stop it, you know, just, and, and like some of the things, like you mentioned the science in the book, for me, it's really important to marry the science with things that have largely, you know, been 
considered like, I'll call it spiritual. And, and I have a very deep spiritual nature that I didn't realize I had, but without the science, without the linear left mind, I'm not just going to believe like the subtle, like I really had to experience it. And then I realized like the only way for me to help anyone that's in that very linear, like in the West, we're very linear and rational is to show them the science. Like you need to bring your left brain on board so that you can open up the rest of you. And so part of the book really is like it's tools about the mind, about our emotions, about the body, about the heart. There's incredible science about the heart. And all of it really is meant to give you some tools so you quite honestly trust yourself, trust your capacities, including how to, how to best use your mind and not, get, not just let your biases or your emotional rationalization, which is a real thing, get the better of you. And yeah, and recognizing what well, you said, there's 180 something, right? Like yeah. Biases, 188. Like, just, yeah. 188, just, just in your head, floating <laughs> around all the time. Yeah. Like yeah. those are the things that we run into that, <laughs> that, that make us make poor decisions. Right. And, and, and the thing about trusting your gut is like that, that is so true. Right. And everybody knows, I think intuitively, like, like it's true, but without the science and the fact that it has been made to be like this kind of woo-woo thing, like you said, I think a lot of us don't listen to it. So I think that's so powerful. And there was something else that, that you said that's in the book that really struck me. And it was, and you just said it about the confidence in yourself or the, the ability to, to kind of stay centered w- with all the chaos around you. And I think, I think that idea of, I, I want you to talk about that a little bit more if you can about this idea of, because that really struck me of we are searching constantly externally for validation, right? Or for something else. And in reality, it's in you already, right? And you just have to, you have to be willing to search it out a little bit, but when you can find it, that confidence in yourself that doesn't come from anyone else is is so powerful. And and I've experienced that personally. So like, I don't know, expand on that a little more if you can. I just think that's such a cool idea. Yeah. It's the central concept. It's called inner authority. Like I call it our inner authority. We have been conditioned to go outside of ourselves for everything, for validation. Everything is an external authority. Like that's how we've been taught. I think the world today is showing us that that's a fallacy and that we have to be able to trust ourselves because it's really hard to trust very much out there. Like people or institutions or anything that's been considered an authority, a lot of its shadow you know, it's nefarious in some cases comes out and you think, wait a second, I thought that they were good or that they had my best interests at heart, all this kind of stuff. We are constantly giving our power away by, by giving somebody else the authority to tell us what to think and do and believe about ourselves first and foremost. And if nothing else, what's going on in the world today is a call back to yourself And that's why developing your intuition helps you develop this confidence that, and it's not about right or wrong, but at least you, you take a stand for yourself. Like your validation needs to come from inside and you understanding who you are authentically, what you want, what you desire, how you want to show up in the world is of more import than what anyone else thinks of you. I don't care who it is that thinks anything of you. That's their business, not yours. And so to get to that centered place, 
And I include a lot of practices in the book and everybody has a different path, but it really begins with connecting to your inner authority, which is you. It's, you can call it a soul, you can call it whatever you want, but it's, the, it's power. And your intuition plays a huge role in that because without your connection to your intuition, you can't trust yourself. So it's a pulling yourself back in, pull yourself back in, back in, back in. In my experience, when you find that inner center and your authentic essence, you stop trying to control other people. So this isn't about me over anyone else. This is not individuation at the extreme. It's actually the opposite. You are so confident in yourself that all you want to do is give. You want to connect with other people. It's, it's such an incredible shift. Yeah, it's it it goes along the lines of of like an abundance mentality, right? A similar concept of of the you're so secure that the idea of scarcity kind of leaves you, I guess, this idea that you need to be grabbing everything and that you can you can start to give, right? And when you do that, the whole world opens up, right? And, and I mean when when you do that, when you start with the idea that you want to give to others, I think it, it reciprocates a, a hundredfold. This really came to a head for me personally, this idea of kind of this confidence in, in yourself, inner authority. I didn't have a lot of support when I decided I was going to leave my, my six-figure executive position to become a real estate investor. Not a lot of people understood that. Like, wait, what? You're going to give up this income? I, really, I mean, there, there were supportive folks and my wife especially is extremely supportive with, with that. without her, I wouldn't have the confidence to do it. But just the idea of that inner, really having to look inside yourself and say, okay, is this something you really believe in and really, and you're, you're going to do it and you're going to do it no matter what other people think is having a lot of people that I, I really respect saying you're crazy was something difficult to go against, but, but it really was having to say, okay, find that confidence internally to, to believe in what I was doing. Right. And, and I know you said you share some practices in the book. I mean, one thing that, that I've really adopted in the past couple of years has been meditation, something I try to do every day, uh, just mindfulness meditation. And that, that has been a huge part of kind of finding a better understanding of myself and just opening myself up, I think, to that intuition, I guess it would be. I guess the way I picture it is like when I meditate, things slow down. I don't just mean like when I'm meditating, I mean like the rest of the day, everything is just moves slower. It seems like I'm able to just see things more clearly and kind of judge the situation in, in, in whatever it is. I don't get as a, a emotionally agitated. Um, I think in doing those things, what that's allowing me to do is, is stay in tune with that intuition and kind of pay attention there. So that's one practice for me that, that's been extremely helpful. Yeah. Meditation is a foundational practice. Like it's, it's not a wonder that it's, you know, it's been used for, you know, millennia. It comes down to centering oneself and also slowing down your brainwaves. Like if we want to take it down to the biology, like if, if our brainwave is constantly in this very erratic state, just if you picture that, like it doesn't feel good. And that's our minds. And so we can't have clarity if, if we have all of this like electricity constantly vying for our attention. We can't be productive if our mind is erratic. We, can't, we won't notice things if we're distracted. And there's actually a, a mechanism in the brain called the default mode network, which is 
where you do your best sort of thinking, but it's not really thinking. It's, it's where you, your mind must slow down in order for you to actually connect with deeper states of mind or higher states of mind and not just surface mind because there's, there's these different levels. And so meditation, it changes your neural pathways permanently so that you're not taken away by those like crazy beta waves, let's say. And you can also stay very centered in disturbing situations. And, and so everything you said about like even your emotional state, because you start to bring this level of awareness where you can notice things rather than just be dragged around by them. Yes. Yeah. You can notice it without reacting. That's right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. And so, so going back to the brainwaves, my thought is, is that why like all the good ideas come in the shower? Yes. Is, is that why you're just, that's exactly right. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Like, it always seems like you're in the shower. It's like, I need like a piece of paper that, you know, I can start writing things down. Yes. Yeah. Cause you stopped purposely thinking you stop purposely thinking like actually something you can do when you go to sleep is you can set an intention for something that you want to process uh-huh. and then your unconscious will process that kind of like overnight and like in the morning like when you're in that I'm not good at this because when I wake up I'm like awake but a lot of people like my husband does this he sometimes is, sits for like an hour in bed and he's like yeah I can kind of play with my dreams I'm like how do you even do that and he's like super linear architect like this man is not you know, this like spiritual guru and, and, and that's actually your, your alpha state where you can also have like lucid dreams and you can actually program your mind. I'm like, Andrew, you should use that. Right. I'm all like, <laughs> go, go, go. <laughs> he's like, he's like, like I just like it. Yeah. It's a superpower. So it's really amazing when we start to connect the science with the story, with the senses, with our lives and realize we have so many tools at our disposal to help us be more discerning, to help us make better decisions, to help us in a way be better people because we're less reactionary. And I think in life, like it's too short and it's too long to like live in constant fear and anxiety that's created from the outside. Right. And that's, that's the environment that we live in right now, right? Whether you're on social media or the news. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And if, if you're only taking in that external information, I mean, a lot of it is negative, right? You're not getting a lot of positive external reinforcement. So, I, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, this, this is awesome. I think that you're opening up this idea. And, and I think you framed it in a really nice way. I mean, it's not... Like here, here's the thing I want people to understand too. It's like, I mean, these are not, it's not, these are not new ideas or concepts. I think the framing that you've made is different, is a, is a good, a different way of approaching it. But this idea of, like you said, meditation has been around for, for thousands of years and there's a reason, right? Cause it works. But even going back to like Napoleon Hill and like, like think and grow rich, which is one of the the books I recommend every every investor, every person person should read. But but he goes into a lot of similar concepts about the idea that you are you're you're this transmitter and receiver, right? And there there's all this going on around you that you need to be tuned into uh, and in tune to. And so I think it's not you know it 
it's grounded in a lot of a lot of history as well. These concepts, and so I, I think people, if you're not paying attention to this stuff, I think you're you're missing out on a big part of of decision making, right? And and as investors, I mean, that's you you never have perfect information. Every pro forma is wrong, right? No no pro forma has ever been right. It's impossible. It's just you're just trying to figure out your best, your most likely scenario, right? And so you're never going to have perfect information. And in absence of perfect information, you have to rely on things like your intuition to guide you in the right direction. So I think this is really powerful for life, but but with the tilt of this podcast for investing too. So I really appreciate you sharing the message with us today. So how do folks get a hold of you? How can they find the book and share that info with us? Thank you. And one thing I wanted to say, because what you're saying is really powerful too, before I tell people about the book and that there's always uncertainty, right? Like when we talk to a lot of investors, you know, they're like, oh, is it a good time? What about rents? What about stimulus? What about, you know, what about, what about? You're going to sit on the sidelines. I'm not saying you should invest right now. I'm just saying like, examine that fear, and then examine the facts and then talk to your mentors, talk to your partners. And you can't time anything. Nothing's going to get more certain. I really, for me, I just think like everything is, has always been uncertain. And if, if we allow ourselves to be lulled into a sense of false security, that's more dangerous than taking a calculated risk at any point in time because we can't just sideline ourselves from life. And I think that's what a lot of people might be doing right now in in everything. So just like in a way, like ask yourself intuitively, like what is right for me right now? And it might be waiting for an investment, but it might be like, you know what, I'll put a small amount and I'll try. I'm going to diversify. Like, so it, it also allows a sense of personal safety in these times that are increasingly turbulent. And so it was really amazing when, the, when, you know, I started writing this book before COVID clearly, and then COVID just really, it almost like gave me the exact frame for what this is all about and why it's so important for us to continue to show up. So that was just the last thing that, that I wanted to say about that. And I think that that's, that's so important, right? I mean, I think we're, we're going way broad here on a social message, but the idea that like, more than ever, we need people to show up in a positive, thoughtful way and make a positive impact because there's so much, there just is so much negativity out there. And there's so much, there's a lot of triggering. There's a lot of people that are, they're acting kind of in a highly emotional and irrational way. And there's a lot of things underlying that. And I think, I think the more that we can all center ourselves and find confidence internally and and focus on that, I think we'll be in a much better place. So I hope that folks go out and read your book. I'm sure that they will. Uh, I know I can't wait to, to get my hands on the full copy. Yeah. So how do, so how do folks uh, get a hold of it? Yeah. So it's going to be out in mid to late September and you can go to adapietrico.com. So that's my website and you can sign up you know, I have an ebook there. If people want an ebook about getting unstuck and that'll put you in the newsletter, you can just sign up. The site for productiveintuition.com will be up 
by the time the book is out as well. So you can get it directly there. Uh, luckily, I'm pretty easy to find because my name. So if you just like Google Adapia, I come up kind of first thing. So you can find me on LinkedIn or Instagram is where I'm most active. And just, you know, reach out to, I love to connect with people and just hear their stories and their insights. But, you know, the book will be on Amazon. It'll be everywhere that you would expect to find it. And so I would say productiveintuition.com. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll make sure we put all that in the show notes so folks can find it. Yeah, we'll, we'll work together on this. I, I'd love to do some sort, of a, some sort of a raffle for our listeners. Let's do it. Yeah, I can do some signed copies and things hey, like that. Hey, look at that. Get an autograph. Yeah, I'll Very ship them cool. out. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Adapia, thank you so much for, again, just sharing your story with us and and I'm sure helping some people avoid bad situations, right? And be, and, and tuning in to make good decisions and, ju- and just feel generally more centered. I think it's good for everybody. So thank you so much today. Thank you, Kent. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really grateful and so appreciative of our connection. So thank you so much. It's been an honor. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, with that, we'll wrap up the show. Take this information and go out and invest like a pro. Till next time. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro. 